Let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. A famous passage in Scripture. Jesus is always welcoming of children. And the reason I've asked for the kids to be in today is because the theme that I'm going to be speaking on, identity, we can learn a whole lot from them. So today, my prayer is that as we kind of look through their eyes, we will all be greatly encouraged. We will all draw closer to Jesus because we can learn an awful lot about and from our children. In 2022, you're going to hear a common theme from the pulpit this year. Not only myself, Ben, uh, Dave, when he speaks, other guest speakers are going to have this theme about renewing our mind. And it's going to be renewing our mind around a number of subjects. There might be renewing your mind about worship, what you think worship's all about. Finances, renewing your mind about finances and giving. Missions, relationships. It's going to be a common thread that you're going to hear throughout 2022, and I'm absolutely pumped for it. Not only will you hear that on a Sunday, but hopefully as we gather together in any circumstance, discipleship. Uh, when we go to the park together, you will hear constantly throughout 2022 the power of that scripture in Romans, that we will be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we know what is that perfect will of God for each of us. Last week, Jess shared very powerfully. Who was here last week? Wasn't it a proud moment uh, to see Jess up here sharing? As a big brother of hers, I uh, take that very seriously and very lovingly. I was so proud, so proud of her. I was sitting in the front row, and I tell you, I was nearly slain in the spirit. I was jumping up and down because she was talking about golf and the Lion King, two of my favorite things to do. Okay, The Lion King's been my favorite uh, movie since I was a child. I'm actually going to speak a lot about the Lion King today. That's why one of the reasons why the kids are here. And I'm just going to expand on a few more of the points that she brought up. Uh, and I might talk a little bit about golf too. We'll see how we go. Jess and her sharing is a testament to a renewed mind. She has come such a long way. She told me one day, Sean, you'll never hear me preach. And you'll definitely never hear me sing. And last week she did both. She sung uh, How I Just Can't Wait to Be King. I heard it. So she's listening to this. We heard you, Jess. You sung and you preached. All that I've got to share today is all based in our identity. There's a great song by Will Regan. You can check it out. It's take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting our load again. It's an amazing chorus talking about our identity, us being found in him. Uh, and he belonging to us. So I'm going to pray. Just as you turn your Bibles to four, uh, Philippians chapter 4, I think we're going to read more than what I've written there. We're going to read Philippians 4 from 4 right through to 8. But I'm just going to pray that God will speak to us today. So Father, I thank you for what you have put on my heart. I pray, God, that as we explore this thought of identity and the kids are here, God, that there will be a time of learning. Um, it will be time of impartation from them and the joy that they bring to this house 
And I ask, Father, that you would speak powerfully through me today and that your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Has someone got uh, a version open and got a very good voice? Mel, you've got a great, you've got, come up here. Mel's got the best radio voice I've ever heard. Mel, can you please read Philippians 4, 4 to 8 for us? Okay, Philippians 4, 4 to 8. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace, which transcends human understanding, will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honourable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Thank you, Mel. Give Mel a hand. He's a, he's a stud. I'm going to read the ESV, just the last part. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, underline that, true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable and praiseworthy and excellent, meditate, think on these things. Knowing who we are in God should impact everything in our lives. It should affect our relationships. I've got them written here. Our relationships, our values our decision-making, and our time. Let's start with our relationships. It doesn't have to be our spouse. It could be the relationship we have with our children. It could be us as children, our relationship with our parents or our relationship with our teachers. We are human beings. We are born to be in communities. We are born to be with other people. And if we know who we are in God, it will affect those relationships. Give me, let me give you an example. This is my golf story. On Friday, Friday is my favorite day of the week. It's a tricky day at work, but when I finish work, I get to go and play golf with my mates, and then it's date night after that. Okay? Well, big day. Friday is a great day. And last Friday was a bit different. Last Friday, uh, I'm out getting ready to go to golf, and I get a phone call from my wife. I get a phone call from Karina, and starts well. And then all of a sudden, it starts going bad. The conversation starts going bad. We start not miscommunicating to one another. We end up saying some stuff that we regret. And by the end of the conversation, I said, well, I just don't want to hang out with you tonight on date night. Hung up the phone. Oh, I wasn't thinking these husbands are like, you're a fool. Not as bad as yesterday. I put all the washing through, all the kids washing, and it all turned out green. So... 
I'm on, I'm on fire up here. But this time, I get off the phone and I walk out onto the golf course. The boys don't know what's going on. I walk out to the golf course and we're in a competition every Friday. And uh, I tee the ball up and it's a par three, which means if you're any good at golf, you should be three and around three. I get up, stand over the ball. <laughs> I hit the thing. First one, straight in the water. <laughs> Second one, straight in the water. Four shots I hit in the water. And I'm not the world's best golfer, but I, shouldn't, I should never hit it in the water that many times. One after the other, I just ended up laughing. It affected, it affected me. Uh, I didn't use it as an excuse. I should have that day. I should have said to the boys, you'll give me that, boys, because uh, <laughs> my missus just told me off before I got here. But I didn't take that. And what I'm saying is it affected me. It affected me. But knowing who I am to my wife, knowing the blessing that God has over our relationship and the covenant that we entered into, we were able to change some things. We were able to repent, to change our mind, to think about the things that we've said and the things that we've said to hurt one another. So, in humble way as we could, as I could, I, st I think I started it this time. Maybe I did. I said, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. Um, it was foolish of me. Of course I want to hang out with you tonight. She did the same thing. And it all came back to that, you know, that foundation of identity, knowing who we are in this relationship. We were able to mend that and go on the best date we've had in ages. And that's just one example in relationships. Our values. What are the non-negotiables in our life? What are we prioritizing and what is important to us? Values like honesty, integrity, spirituality, community, like meeting together at church. Is that one of your values? And if it is, how are you prioritizing that in your life? The point is, it should show. Your foundational truth of knowing who God is should show in your value system. Thirdly, our decision-making. Our dis decisions should be reflective of our true nature. The church has had to make tricky decisions of late. Uh, my organization, the owners of this building, have had to make tricky uh, decisions of late. But, as I said, they should all reflect who we are if we say that we are Christians and we belong to God. And our time. John Maxwell, who's like my favorite uh, leadership instructor, he says this. John Maxwell says he's, he's a famous author and leadership guru, travels the world. And he states that he will learn everything he needs to know about a person by just spending one full day with them. Their focus will be where their time goes. That's a true statement, eh? You think about uh, the, what you do in a day, I would love to make sure it's one of the busy days that I have in my life that John Maxwell's standing right beside me so I could pretend I'm really, really busy. But that's, that's what he says. Where our effort and our emotion is, that's what we will spend our time in. So let's talk about this movie, The Lion King. As I said, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. There's a couple of, couple of reasons for that. When I was young, it was the last movie that we watched together as a family before my dad and my brother went to prison for most of my young life. So it had special uh, significance to me emotionally. And secondly is because the whole film is wrapped in family and identity. 
So we're about to watch a clip about this film, and, and, and Jessica touched on it last week. But as I show this clip of the film, I'm going to break it down later because it's going to make a whole lot of sense to us. Fun fact, originally when it was made and they're doing, you know, in the boardroom thinking about what this movie should be, they said it's kind of a mix between Bambi and Hamlet. If you know the story of Hamlet, they actually called it Bamlet before they did anything. Before it was an idea of the Lion King, they said, let's call it Bamlet. And it was a Christian man in that boardroom that said, why don't we focus the story through two significant biblical stories? Let's take the themes from Joseph's story. When Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, sent into exile, only to return one day as the highest office in all of the land. Secondly, the story of Moses. When Moses was again exiled or away from his calling, and God showed himself through a burning bush and gave him a message about hope and who his true values were. So if you didn't know that, that's one of the reasons why this is so very, very powerful. So I'm going to put this clip on. I don't know if you can dim the lights back there, mate, but we should be able to see it. Check out this clip from The Lion King. <laughs> Creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. <gasps> Bye. Hey, wait! You knew my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You 
You see, he lives in you. I go back. I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. No, please, don't leave me. Father. like the winds are changing. Ah, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can't hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or... Learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm gonna take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Get out of here! That's one excited baboon, yeah? I believe that our identity is brought most into question when life gets tough, not when it's easy. It's easy to worship God when everything's going well, hey? And that's why Simba's story is so powerful. When we see him at the start of this scene, he's right in the middle of a battle of mind, a clash of conscience and a search for his identity. Oftentimes when we've done wrong, or we've sinned, or hurt a relationship, or something like that, we can question things. We can isolate ourselves and actually move away from what our original calling is. Remember, Simba's only in that place because he believed a lie. He believed that he was the reason that his father died. He felt like he wasn't worthy. Shame overcame him which literally drove him away. It drove him to go and find new friends that believed the same rejected ideals that he had. Hakuna Matata, you've heard it before. I've got no worries no more. I'll run away in the other direction. He's with rejected people living this carefree life. But then along came Rafiki. My encouragement here is to seek counsel that affirms your true identity. Rafiki could be symbolized by a number of things in this story. It could be a brother and sister in Christ. It could be a pastor. 
could be a, a close friend, a Bible scripture, a worship song, something that encourages us with the truth. These should only reaffirm our worth, our value, and our true nature. Godly counsel will affirm that, what we already know in our heart. I'll give you an example of that. Everyone in this room will know how to get healthy and lose weight, right? Like everyone just knows that. Like last time I preached, I talked about my wife getting bigger to have a baby. You know, they don't tell you that the husband puts on a lot of weight too. Like that's just part of it. Part of it is growing. And we all know that to do that, you have to eat well and exercise. But how many of us actually do that? We know it, but how many of us actually do it? That's why when we go to a gym, we get a personal trainer. We get a personal trainer or a coach because they're an exterior voice telling us what we already know. They're reaffirming to us all the time, you can do this, lift one more. You already know it. Eat the right stuff. But you need that person in your corner to constantly reaffirm what you already know in your heart. Does that make sense? The next one, one of my favorite lines. He's alive and I'll show him to you. Taking that step of faith, though, can be a little bit scary, especially if you've been overcome with fear or shame or things that want to detract from us. What if, this is, this is probably the thoughts you're going through your mind, what if I actually have to face my father face to face? He might be mad at me. God might be angry at the things that I've done wrong. I think about Simba. The reason he hesitated just at the, at the foot of going into the dark place is because he maybe thought it was my fault that my dad is dead. What's he going to say to me? And that could stop us. Don't believe the lie, my friends. The king is waiting for you. The higher road isn't always easy. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. You've got to push through it. You've got to keep pushing forward to the goal of knowing who God is and your value in him. I say this often. This picture is great. Falling rocks everywhere. Bridges out. Screaming children. It's not all candy canes and rainbows when you follow the Lord. Trust me. Especially from my experience. There's a pushing through to get your breakthrough. Shifting old mindsets, creating new pathways in your brain can be challenging, but I promise you it'll be worth it. Look harder, Rafiki says to him. Look harder. Go deeper and draw nearer. When we look in the mirror, which is what he does, Simba looks down at the water and says, ah, that's just my reflection. We might not like who we see in the mirror, but God is encouraging us to look deeper, past our flesh and our human state. Look at the King of glory who lives in you. For our spirit man is perfect. Did you know that? Is in perfect union with God if we're born again. Our true identity is just below the surface. And finally, come to the Father and remember who you are. I love this point. Mufasa doesn't 
say to Simba, he doesn't rebuke him for running away. He doesn't say, you've run away from your responsibility as being the next king, does he? He doesn't say, you're eating bugs and hanging out with your bachelor mates in paradise. He doesn't say that. What does Mephasa say? You've forgotten me. That's what he says. And Simba says, no, how can I forget you? He says, you have forgotten who you are, so you've forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You're more than what you have become. That is what I believe God is saying to all of us. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are royalty in my eyes. I was going to show a, another clip of The Chosen. We're running short on time, so I won't. But this photo sums it up pretty well. In Matthew 19.4, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And in this story, it's amazing. If you've seen The Chosen show, they're all you know, excited to be around him. And Jesus is ever willing to have them sit at his feet and learn from him. And I really want to focus on what we can learn from children. Tell me if this checklist is right, young ones. I'm pretty sure it is. They know where their help comes from. They know the source of everything they want and need. They will always ask and ask and ask and ask questions. <laughs> they take their word, their parents' word, as gospel truth. Nothing is impossible to a child. And finally, they love to be loved. Let's focus on those first two points. They know where their help comes from, and they know that the source of everything they want and need is their parents. When kids fall over, they don't scream out Batman or Superman or something that they love or a toy. They cry out mom or dad, usually mom. But they know, they know where their help comes from. They also know that the source of everything that they want and need comes through their parents. When you take a kid shopping, uh, hopefully if you've raised them right, they don't just go taking things off the shelf, hopefully. Hopefully, pray that over our kids. They will ask. They'll say, can I have that? Can I have that? And they've got no concept of value, worth, or anything because they know that their parents are the ones with all the money. They've got no money. They just know the parents, the money, the money bags is, is behind me. Huh? Yeah, they think, <laughs> hopefully they do. And I, wanna, and I wanted to really ram home this point about Marley. I'll take Marley to the toy store. They love it there. And he's looking around, and he's usually either looking for a ball or something quite small. Even if I say to him, you can have that big toy on the top shelf, doesn't factor into his mind. Okay? And I know that no matter how expensive a toy I buy, it's only going to be used for about two days before it joins the pile of the 10,000 other toys. You know what I mean, parents? Parents are screaming amen here. It just joins the pile. Yet, his favorite toy is this. If I can grab it. Right here. This is a five-cent piece. This, in our currency in Australia, is the lowest, cheapest baseline for all currency, right? Five cents. Can't buy much of five cents this day. But what does this mean to Mali? Time with dad. 
He will find coins around the house and run to me and say, Daddy, do magic. Now, Matt, and this has happened for years. Hey, Adam, Mel, hey, Mel, Coco. He, he lights up. Even, every, and he's seen this. I'm, I'm only a three-trick pony. I've only got three of them. But every time I do it, you watch his eyes light up. Because to him, this is all that matters. And we've got to get that revelation in our mind. That our Father owns everything. That he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's no limitations with God. We're the ones who put that there. Children ask a lot of questions. You guys seen this thing when Yoda dies? Once I became a parent, I finally understood that scene where Yoda got so sick of Luke's questions that he just died. (laughs) They ask and ask and ask. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing for us to learn from children. Do you know what? They ask questions even when they're in trouble. This is true. I'll say to everyone, I've got a rule in my house. If you're fighting over something, if you two can't share, it's daddy's. So if it's a toy truck and they're scrapping back and forth, you can't share? No? Well, that's mine. Take it off them. Even when they're crying, daddy, you did, whatever, starts carrying on. Still, (laughs) can I have it? (laughs) Straight away they ask me. Even when they're in trouble, it just blows my brain. Are we doing that in our Christian walk? When we've done something wrong, do you go straight back to God and ask him questions? Do you lean into him? That's something we can truly learn from children. They take their parents' word as gospel truth. Nothing is impossible. And they loved to be loved. This is River before Marley came along. Free as a bird. Nothing's impossible to my little one. I could say to River, River, church is on the moon next week. And he will believe me. He will say, he won't go, really? Like negatively, he'll go, really? I say, yeah. Only thing he'll care about, what color the spaceship is. That's it. He he is so optimistic. Kids are so, will believe what you say, and they'll run with it. You know that they learn doubt? They learn unbelief from the world? Education, media, friends as they get older. They actually are taught how to stop dreaming. When you're little, everyone knows that story. What did you want to be when you were young? People still ask it today. What did you want to be when you grow up? You can remember that. I wanted to be a fireman or I wanted to be a policeman. Then when we get into our what we call deadbeat jobs, and we're wondering, am I dreaming anymore? Has life passed me by? And that optimism is what I was talking about when it comes to children. So we can learn a lot. You agree? From the young people in this congregation and in our life. And just as I ask Timmy to come back up and play the guitar for me so I sound a bit more spiritual, I want to read something to you that got me through when I was first saved. When I first gave my life to Christ. That's right on time. When I first gave my life to Christ, this letter became a real uh, stable in my life. It was something that was constant. You know, I, I, I came from a Jehovah's Witness background, so I knew what the Bible, well, I felt like I knew what the Bible said front to, front to back. But I didn't have that, that intimacy with the Father. And this letter is called the Father's Love Letter. 
you would have heard it before. And those of you who haven't, there's some people here who I've asked who haven't read it, I'm going to read it to you. Every line I share corresponds with a truth straight from the Bible. This is who our Father is. And if you're to be found in Him, this is who you can be and who you actually are. So let's start. My child, you can close your eyes, you can pray. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you and planned you at creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day that you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love upon you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am a perfect father. Every good gift that you received comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all of your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing what is good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than could ever, you could ever possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in times of trouble. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe every tear from your eyes, and I will take away all the pain that you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father. And I love you, even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again.
Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been a father and I'll always be a father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, Yahweh Almighty God. We need to shift, friends, our thought and conception around God being this angry judge who is waiting for us to stuff up. He's waiting in heaven with a big stick waiting for us to do wrong so we can smack us upside the head. We need to lose this concept that if something goes wrong in our life, it's because God hates us or because we haven't paid our tithes or something stupid like that. We need to get a revelation of who our real Father is. He is a God of love. He is always beckoning us and, and bringing us toward Him, even when we don't want to be. Even when we're walking in the total opposite direction of our scroll or our calling, God is still as close as ever. And on that note, if today you feel what I've shared today, you're in that place, you're in that place of wanting or desiring to return to that love you once had for God, or knowing that revelation of who you are and, and uh, what God says about you, then I want you to actually come and get prayer. I want you to come up to the front while there's worship. Because God, again, I, I felt it this morning when we were entering into worship, that this is a real intimate time, that this was going to be a bit of a different morning in the fact that God wants to do business at a real personal level. He is our Father, the one in heaven who loved us, loved us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us. And you know, church, life in church can get complicated. We can make it about things that aren't concerned with kingdom life because at the crux of it, the message of the Bible is that God loves us and wants what's best for us. So right now, if you want to get prayer, I want you to come up. And I'm going to ask something even more significant if we do get, uh, if the Lord is leading this way, it's going to be very special. But Father, I just thank you. I just thank you, God, for the things that you've put on my heart to share. I thank you, God, that we can learn things all the time, not only from our children, but even from movies that we watch. I thank you that at the end of the day, Father, you are still our Father and you love us. I pray, God, that those of you in our congregation today that need a touch from heaven, that need to be reminded of that, who they really are in you and how much you value them, I pray that that would happen today. God, you're faithful and we love you. In Jesus' name.
do this differently. All the kids come up the front. Come on. We learn from you today. went to Bethel, I spoke about that last time, the most powerful encounter I had in the whole time I was there was I went to a kids ministry night and the kids laid hands on all the leaders at Bethel and I was invited, I don't know how I got an invite to that place but these kids just every time they touched us, uh, it was powerful impartation of just childlike faith and there's something very different about being childish and having childlike faith. We can all benefit from this. So as I pray for the kids, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and let them just move along, move around and just touch you and pray for you. They don't have to be long. You can just impart a touch because it's God that's doing this through you. You cool with that, kids? So let me pray. Father, I thank you for every child that is in our house, every young person that is going to grow to do amazing things in your kingdom. May we, each of us, learn from them. Learn how to be bold. Learn how to be very courageous. And I just see such destiny over every young person in our congregation. I thank you for the strength, for their courage, that nothing is impossible for them. I love, Father, that they are in our midst. I love that there is young people, a next generation in our congregation. And we pray a significant blessing over them and their future. So God, now that they have received, as every eye is closed, Father, I pray that these young people will move in our congregation and impart your love to them. Every person needs a bit more faith in our life, a bit more courage to stand up for what is right, a bit more wisdom that only you can give, Father. So I pray right now that you would move powerfully here. In Jesus' name.